if you love one another. But sometimes there can be an obstacle for people um, really receiving love from us and receiving love from God. And the obstacle can be untreated mental illness, maybe addiction or trauma from childhood. And it can also be something um, like broken relationships in their lives. And one of the primary reasons that mental illness um, goes untreated is because of this stigma that is surrounding the treatment of mental illness. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with this. Um, that's one of the reasons that I said yes uh, to launching the mental health department at His Heart Foundation. And at His Heart, our mission is to really serve the local churches in the area of mental wellness. And in my department, the mental health department, we do that through counseling referrals and mental health education. And we really have just this desire to make it easy for you to connect to a counselor that specializes in your area of need and also to be able to access mental health education so that it really can break down those walls of, of stigma that are often um, represented, especially in the church. Um, so this is accomplished in a few different ways um, online through our mental health blog, and we have articles there um, on many different topics that are written by the counselors that we work with, counselors who are Christians that um, really love to serve the local church and also other ministry experts um, in this field. And then we also do that through our YouTube channel. Um, this is free content that you can use even here at the church um, in your small group. And then also one-on-one. -on -one. I am sure that many people in your families or just friends have come to you needing help in this area. And, you know, none of us are usually experts. I uh, come from the, you know, um, I guess expertise of uh, teaching the Bible. And so my expertise was never the mental health field. But being able to um, get connected with counselors who have been able to collaborate with me to present this kind of information on um, bipolar disorder and depression and ADHD and personality disorders, anxiety, you know, so many more topics um, than I can even mention right now has made it accessible to um, our churches and made it something that can really be kind of simplified for those who are struggling and just kind of need a basic understanding. And so that's what our YouTube channel does. And then also through our Mental Health Academy. And these are professional courses that can be downloaded um, online. And we've just launched our second course on um, depression. And so our, our uh, counselors that we work with are, are just volunteering their time to make these videos with us so that we can um, use them in churches and have, you know, we could, you know, use them here in a big audience like this or use them individually or in small groups. And it's a way for people to access this information from a Christian point of view. And um, it's an exciting way to really, again, help break that stigma. You know, Jesus said that the greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind 
and with all of your strength. And the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. There are no greater commandments than these. So God is asking us to do two things in every situation. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So this emphasis is that we would love God with every part of who we are, our whole self. Counselor Peter Pignon um, writes that when any part of ourselves becomes wounded or hindered, that it limits the whole. Specifically, it limits our ability to love God and to love others. So if we are people that are passionate about living out the greatest commandments, then we need to prioritize the healing of the whole person, just as Jesus did throughout his ministry with his disciples. And when people would come to him for healing of their bodies, of their souls, of every part of who they are. And um, he did this with Nicodemus and with the woman at the well. And you saw how Jesus ministered to people that were so desperate and hurting in every part of their lives. And he met them right where they were at. And that's what he does with us today. Whatever our hurting places are, he meets us right there. The issue um, of mental health is not just important to me because of what I do at His Heart Foundation. Um, it's not just important to me because of the hurting people that I get calls from each day. It's important to me because mental illness has touched our family in such a profound way. Um, when our um, lives started, my husband Michael and I uh, met in college as we were preparing for ministry. And um, we got married here in Richfield on a beautiful day in July, just like today. Um, but we never imagined the trials that would almost tear our family apart. In the months leading up to our wedding, I, I started to notice um, some real differences in Michael. He had once had this outgoing and fun personality um, but suddenly that turned kind of inward and I noticed him becoming depressed and, and um, he had difficulty sleeping. And at the time I was busy with, busy with wedding preparations and I just kind of chalked it up to, well, maybe he's just stressed about, you know, finding new work and moving. And so um, I didn't really, you know, give it a lot of thought. But we had no idea as we got married that summer that we were starting our marriage off at the top of this terrifying roller coaster called mental illness. Nothing could have prepared me for being married to someone with bipolar 2 disorder. And I'm sure nothing could have prepared Michael for dealing with that type of mental illness as he faced his life at the age of 20 going into that um, difficult illness and fighting that for, th for the remainder of his life. Even in 2019, the stigma is still very um, real. Uh, Any time that you mention mental illness, it's, it can really, you know, prevent those from struggling with that, that struggle, uh, from reaching out for help, and it can 
prevent those who have family members um, from really ever wanting to admit that that is what's happening, from wanting to acknowledge that 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 is a real and present issue in their lives. But in the 1990s, it was even more true. It it really wasn't talked about at all. I remember um, one week, Michael was in a youth staff meeting and um, he kind of took a big risk and he said, you know, we were, they were having some prayer time and he, he went out on a limb and he said, you know, I'm just feeling really depressed and I don't have a reason why. Nothing is going on. I'm just so sad and I don't know why. And one of the other leaders said, well, if you're depressed, then I really question whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus. Because a Christian should never be depressed. Well, he had already felt so broken and defective, and he didn't understand what was going on inside of him. And that comment amplified that feeling. And over time, as the years progressed, um, that despair really took him to the edge. And he wondered if, taking his own life might be the best thing for our family to relieve us from the struggle that he was going through. He had felt like he had become a burden to us, to our children, to me. So when we finally got to the bottom of the real issue that was happening 10 years into our marriage, a combination of ADHD and bipolar 2 disorder, we started to become really armed with the tools to make a difference in Michael's life, to make a difference in my life and our children's life. And as I started to read about this and and educate myself about bipolar and, and adult ADHD, I realized that I could offer an understanding to Michael and empathy to him that I never had before. And it gave me a sense of hope, knowing that not only could his mental illness be treated, but that I could be a part of making a difference in what he was facing on a day-to-day basis. But that only happened after he had a correct diagnosis. The path to treatment was really a roller coaster. We went from doctor to doctor to counselors and trying different medications, and it was so frustrating. But Michael never gave up, and we never gave up on each other and, and facing this fight. And today, even uh, 14 years after the diagnosis, we can still have bumps in the road. But the difference is, today we know there's hope. We know that there's a way past the current struggle. We know that there can be change, even when facing difficulty. You know, people often expect there to be this linear line between, you know, uh, maybe like a start and a finish when treating mental illness. And I've heard comments like, well, I mean, isn't he better now? Like, aren't you getting help for that? Or, well, isn't counseling supposed to help that? And I would encourage people to understand that it's more about managing the illness 
than it is about having a quick fix or um, an answer, just the way that you would manage something like diabetes. The CDC published a report saying that one in four Americans experience a mental health issue in a given lifetime. And so these can be some you know, major or minor, and they also report that those individuals affect 10 of their loved ones during that time. And so it's impacting so many more people than we realize. They also report that it can take up to 10 years to get a correct diagnosis, which is exactly what we experienced, 10 years of trying to figure out what the correct diagnosis was. And so when I hear things like that, you know, I think, okay, those statistics, those are real. I know that they're true. And so how can they encourage us to take action in situations like this? What can we do about it? And I feel like as those who believe in Jesus, as those who believe in the power of Christ in our lives, um, I, I know that those statistics don't defeat us. I know they don't. Because if you are following Jesus, then you know that the power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you and me today. That power is alive in you today and can bring healing, can bring healing. And so I want you to know that we can see people have healing spiritually. We can see people have healing physically in the name of Jesus. We can see people have healing emotionally and mentally. And so I know that um, the current reality is that people walk in here every week and walk into other churches every week, and they might be silently suffering with mental health issues. And we know that this is true because this is what we did for 10 years. Michael might roll out of bed on a Sunday morning, and he would be in emotional upheaval, still struggling, not knowing what this mental health issue was. And sometimes he would throw the alarm clock across the room, and he would say, I hate church. And then he would pull himself together, and he would go lead worship on a Sunday morning. And do you know, that wasn't because that he wanted to be fake. It was because he wasn't getting the mental health care that he needed. And it was because there was no pathway for us in the church at the time. And I'm so grateful that we received the reconciliation that we needed and the redemption in Christ in our relationship um, and our marriage and for his mental health. Um, but we didn't get that through the church uh, as far as the mental health help because there wasn't a way for that at the time. But there is now. That's why I'm here. <laughs> today, okay? There is now. The church didn't have those resources then, but it has it now. And that's why I'm so passionate about coming here today and to share the struggle that we went through. Michael didn't go through that for nothing. I didn't go through that for nothing. We're here to say there can be change. There can be a difference. And I remember even sharing, um, you know, trying to open up even after we got the help. And 
people, we'd have like a home group. I, I know Mike remembers this. We'd have a home group at our house. And so I'm very open. And I would say, hey, this is the, a little bit of what we went through. And people would be like, blank stare, you know. Like, well, that went great. <laughs> you know, it's awkward. People don't know what to say. But you know what? We can't avoid talking about mental illness because people are uncomfortable with it. We need to speak up because if the church doesn't do it, who will? Who will? So how can the church respond to mental health issues? Um, Amy Simpson writes, when the church is silent to a person in crisis, any kind of crisis, it can sound remarkably like silence from God. And we definitely don't want that. Um, let me just share this. The National Institutes of Mental Health has reported that pastors are continually contacted in higher proportions than uh, mental health professionals like psychiatrists or even general practitioners when someone has a mental health issue. So if we, the church, are like a triage center for those who are suffering, even those who don't go to church, the statistics show, then we need to know what to do, don't we? We need to have a system in place. And so if we don't have a plan, then we can't be the kind of light in the darkness that, that we need to be. And so that's why Pastor Dave and Lori invited me here today is because they care about people who are hurting. Maybe you've never told anyone. Maybe you haven't even told Pastor Dave about what you're going through. But it matters to him. It matters to the people who are leading the branch. And so they might not have training in mental health uh, you know, issues. They're not counselors, but they're going to pray for you and they're going to connect you to people who do have training people that love Jesus and that want to help you through this and that can connect with you that specialize in your area of need. And that's, that's why I'm here today, because this church does care about that. And so what can, what can we do? Um, first of all, I think we need to understand what stigma does. So stigma is something that really is defined as a mark of disgrace on someone associated with a particular circumstance or quality or um, something like that in a person. And so those suffering with mental illness are often stigmatized and that causes them to isolate and to not want to open up to people. And it also causes relationship problems in their lives. They don't want to be around people because they feel like no one understands. And so then the community doesn't get educated on how to support them. So no one in isolation is going to find healing. We just can't. That's not how God created us. And so we do heal, though, when we draw closer to God and closer to each other. That's why we're here today. And so the, the part of seeking, you know, the appropriate medical health, uh, help and the appropriate emotional connection and relational connection and spiritual guidance is all a part of avoiding that kind of isolation. So I need 20 volunteers, and I won't make you do anything except for just stand. Will 20 people stand, okay? All right, you're going to be happy you stood. I'm just telling you that right now. One, two, three, four, five, 
6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Okay, so 20 people are standing, okay, just stay standing for just a moment. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, it's estimated that uh, only 17% of U.S. adults have the optimal mental health. So look at you guys. You're the 17% right here in the room today. All of you are in optimal mental health. Aren't you glad you stood? Okay, so very good. Thank you for standing. So I'm sorry the rest of you can talk to me afterwards. That's not fair to you, right? Yeah. So the rest of you can just connect with me afterwards, and I will help connect you to a counselor. Okay. So um, sometimes we don't really know what mental health involves because it's kind of just a phrase or a statement. So um, we think of it as maybe just a di or or so someone that has a diagnosis. But mental health is about our psychological, emotional, and social wellness. It affects how we think, um, how we interact with others in our relationships, and how we feel about ourselves and um, the people in our lives. And so um, since the launch of the, the uh, Mental Health Department at His Heart Foundation in, in 2017, we have given over 670 counseling referrals. Just think about that. Just in the few, like we've only even connected with, um, you know, basically Clark County churches and a few up in Longview and Kelso. And so <laughs> to me, when you think about those 670 counseling referrals, it can just seem like a number sometimes to people, like, oh, 670. But to me, these are people that I have talked with personally. These are people, um, couples, individual families that have been in crisis, um, people who have been through trauma and depression and um, difficulties in their marriages and grief and relationship issues and addiction and so much more. And so... I just wanted to uh, share a couple of stories so that you can understand really um, what it is that people are coming to us for counseling referrals for. Um, just recently, um, a woman in her 30s um, just shared with me a little of her story, and she was just going through um, a difficult time, and she had actually been in counseling off and on since she was a teen, had go come from a difficult family. and. At one point, she had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and just the depression and anxiety that she was going through um, had really ramped up because of some difficult circumstances in her life. And she was considering and thinking about self-harm again. And so she had really started to um, just struggle, and so she had reached out to her pastor for a counseling referral. And so... Um, when we were talking, I just wanted to um, share with her the hope of really connecting with someone that knew what she needed as far as the counseling, but also could offer her the hope of Jesus, someone who really cared about her. And so we prayed together, and um, we talked about just that hope that that some someone could really make a difference in her life. And 
She said, you have no idea the, the hope that this has given to me. In all the years of counseling, I've never felt this before. I've never felt this. You know, I could share so many stories, um, even about people going through marriage crises and um, who have, you know, decided to cancel their divorces and, you know, get back together because of the hope that they have felt. Um, I just share these stories because these are personal um, and just so real. People really matter. They matter to God and they matter to, to me when they come in and get these referrals. Um, I just wanted to share with you um, a few things about the stigma and how we can really fight that. Um, I want to look at just a few different areas briefly before we close today. Just that understand that people are not their illnesses. We need to articulate who they are apart from their diagnosis. We also need to identify false beliefs and really know that in any given night, you might turn on the news and realize that there's this random act of violence. And then what does the, the news media do? They want to blame someone. You know, we kind of feel like blaming someone, don't we? There has to be a reason for this. We want an answer. But what most often happens is that the perpetrator is really blamed or labeled as crazy or mentally ill. But there is a myth and misunderstanding with that, especially when it comes to something where it's playing into our fears. It's easy to blame a violent act on someone that we don't understand or if they've gone through something like substance abuse or a history of violence or neglect. Surveys show that 81% or 61% of Americans believe that people with schizophrenia are more violent towards others. There's also a belief that people with mental illness are more violent than the general population. But what is the truth? The general population is actually not, um, or the, the mental health, I'm sorry, here are the facts about the American, according to the American Psychiatric Association. People with mental illness are not more likely to be more violent. In fact, those with mental illness are 10 times more likely to be a victim of, of a crime. So there are various um, determining factors that can cause someone to be violent, but the data shows that only 5% of violent crimes are perpetrated by those with mental illness, and 95% are perpetrated by those who are not. So be sensitive to those false beliefs that you might have, and speak up and use any opportunity that you have. Speak up and use your platform. As your pastor has given me an opportunity to use today, but you here at the church can share your story. You can, can offer a friend um, the opportunity to even share their story with you. Because not everyone suffers from a mental illness, but everyone needs to take care of their mental health. It's so vitally important. You can show others that you're actively caring for your mental health. And as a church, we can carry each other's burdens. The branch is doing this today by serving you in the area of 
our spiritual health and offering your connection to his heart foundation. But the scripture tells us, Amy Simpson writes this, that we need to carry each other's burdens, right? It doesn't say except when you're mentally ill or maybe a little weird, right? All of us might be a little bit weird. But it just says to carry each other's burdens, period. We all need help. We all need our burdens carried from time to time. And so if the church isn't doing that, then again, who will? So please understand that the mental health care system is so difficult to navigate. So even if you aren't struggling, there might be someone who needs you to help them navigate that system along with them. And one amazing thing that we can really do to help people is to pray for them when they're struggling with that. And if you go to my YouTube channel, you can just Google or uh, just search prayer. And there's some specific prayers that people that are struggling with mental health issues really need that are really unique just to them. And one last thing is just to please stop telling people to cure their mental illness with Bible reading and prayer. Now, don't misunderstand me. I obviously believe in prayer because I just mentioned how important it is to specifically pray. I believe in the power of God. I believe in divine healing and that God's word is authoritative. In fact, I would say that we all need more spiritual disciplines. But when we encourage people to cure their mental illness through Bible reading and prayer first, then at times they won't get the help that they need medically because of that. We would never do that to someone with diabetes or a broken arm. The fact is this world isn't our home, right? We have brokenness in our bodies and in our minds. And sometimes our brains get sick just like our hearts get sick. Have you ever come upon an accident scene? What do you do? Two things usually, right? You pray, and you call 911. Um, if you can show the next photo, this is uh, a picture of my daughter's car. She recently, a few months ago, um, slipped on some black ice. She flipped her car twice. And believe me, when we were coming upon that accident scene, we were praying like crazy for her safety and that she would be okay. And we also were more than happy to take her to the ER and get a CAT scan for her to make sure that she was okay. So that balanced approach to simultaneously pray and seek treatment is the best thing that we can do for those with mental health issues. Because we need people to come alongside us in the faith. We need counselors who are Christians to come alongside people who are mentally ill and to give them that hope Um, And I know that the church, that this church can be a stigma-free zone for people fighting mental health issues. They can feel safe here at the branch. And we can remember what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 26, that God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division among the body but that each part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, then every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part is honored with it. 
So we are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it, whatever it is that you're going through. So I know that, um, Dave, we're going to open it up to maybe a couple questions if we have questions, but um, we're also going to be able to have a time of baptism, and so I'm excited to be a part of that as well. Thank you, Angela, and uh, she's such a compassionate lady. Would you give it up for her? Um, I know you have a display that you want people to take a peek at. There's also uh, a really good brochure. Everyone can probably have one. There's quite a few over there, so thank you. And some of your cards. Right, right. And so some of you already know this, but I refer to His Heart Foundation for counseling services because they vet all their counselors. And so I'm assured that these counselors are biblically based in what they're going to counsel. And so mm-hmm. I that that is, is huge for me as a pastor. Right, yeah, so, so important yeah. because we want to know that they're not going to be, um, I guess, worldly in the way that they're thinking. I know a lot of counseling can, uh, can be like, do whatever feels good, and yeah. that's not so the type of counseling yep. we need, right? So we're okay. directed by the will of God in right. the counseling, but of course the needs uh, in some cases are so deep that some of that other expertise, medically piece, the pieces right. of that and prescription yeah. me- medications and things are so, so important. So anyway, so you've met Angela now, yeah. and uh, you'll know as I refer if there's people in your life that you might know. Probably every one of us could raise our hands that we know somebody that struggles with some kind of a mental illness depression, et cetera, something like that. And so I want to have you be aware of our resource here (laughs) for for helping people through your organization. Right, and you can reach out at any time. Um, Be sure and grab the information as you go out. And if you need to talk to me, I'll be here um, as well after the service. Thank you, Angela. So give it up again for Angela. Thank you. And then... Please turn your attention over here to the baptisms that will be taking place. And what we're going to do, yeah, if somebody could hold this for me. that he believes that Jesus is indeed the very Son of God and his Savior, and that as he has trusted in him for uh, the removal of his sin and for the eternal hope of, of, of a life beyond this, uh, that he is a candidate then for Christian baptism, which is a complete immersion underwater. And we use warm water. <laughs> so Sean's got, so Sean has uh, decided to do that. So I'm just going to ask, just because uh, uh, just agreement with that, Sean, is it again your belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, and your Lord and Savior? And he says for sure. And uh, so with that, I'm going to baptize you. Sean Day, based on your profession of faith and your desire to live for Jesus the rest of your days, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ 
true baptism into death to rise and walk in newness of life. Congratulations, Sean.